At Apple, we believe privacy is a fundamental human right. So we build it into our products from the beginning of the design process. Privacy matters. In June of 2020, Apple announced the upcoming release of iOS 14. Buried amongst a slate of updates and improvements was a change that would send the online ad world into a frenzy. So what's actually changing? And what does this mean for online businesses in the future? Today, we're exploring the much-talked-about iOS 14 privacy update. What it is, what it means, and whether it's a big deal or not. We'll hear from a couple of guests and point you in the right direction of a few resources to help you navigate this change. I'm Mitch Tessier, content strategist at ClearBank and host of the Clarity Podcast. There has always been a human-centric component at the core of Apple's ethos. It informs every aspect of their business, their design thinking, the relationship between hardware and software that they create. But most recently, it has driven an aggressive push to build out a new user privacy infrastructure. The announcement of iOS 14 included a slew of privacy updates, most notably what Apple calls its app tracking transparency framework. Let's talk about tracking. Safari's intelligent tracking prevention has been really successful on the web. And this year, we wanted to help you with tracking and apps. We believe tracking should always be transparent and under your control. So moving forward, App Store policy will require apps to ask before tracking you across apps and websites owned by other companies. These few sentences, missed by many, would send ad publishing giants like Google and Facebook into a tailspin. While it seems like a small change, App Tracking Transparency, or ATT, will fundamentally change the foundation of modern online advertising. Facebook took it upon themselves to spearhead the response. Big tech battle is heating up, but this time it is not the regulators that are aiming at the tech giants. It's the tech giants aiming at each other. The fight at hand, Apple is limiting the data that companies can collect to show you ads. Is that privacy protection or is it a plot to make digital businesses like Facebook pay an Apple tax? They purchased multiple full-page ads in the Wall Street Journal, proclaiming that they were standing up to Apple for small businesses everywhere. Facebook uh, has opened a, law- a lawsuit against Apple. Uh, Facebook has really encouraged all their partners to get out there and speak about how much of a change this is, like I'm doing today. This is Michael Cronin, founder of Fates.ai and Acquire Agency. He's deployed over $100 million in Facebook ad spend. Uh, and then I think a lot of their communication has been sort of a betrayal uh, from Apple. Whilst ATT puts important privacy concerns and the ability to manage them squarely in the hands of the end user, it also directly impacts the ability of online businesses to target, acquire, and attribute new customers. You're going to have to opt into passing your data through. That's the biggest change. And then they are they're passing through a lot less data on cross-app events. There's a lot less information that's very relevant to advertisers in terms of understanding how people are adding to cart or what actions they're taking on their site. 
uh, and other elements that really help with targeting on Facebook. Apple did not consult Facebook, Google, or any other ad publisher on the implementation of ATT. And as reported by John Cozio of Forbes, this change is likely to cost Google and Facebook up to $25 billion over the next 12 months. Michael detailed for me the trickle-down effect on advertisers and the impact that this change may have on the online economy. The biggest piece is going to be attribution. So attribution is tracking how many sales you drive per dollar that you put in. Uh, And there's going to be significantly less view or the kind of sales you're driving via your attribution. Things to note there is a 28-day window will go away. So if you uh, think about that, that's after 28 days after someone's clicked on your ad, whether or not they purchase. We model that out across the industry is going to be around a 10% hit to sales that are tracked. The next piece that's going away is you're going to have a partial view of seven-day click and a partial view of one-day view, depending on your opt-ins versus opt-outs. So that is really high for some businesses where they're going to lose 60% of their overall attribution. What that means is that they're going to be half as efficient at acquiring customers. In the mature industry that exists built on top of this infrastructure today, most companies can't withstand that kind of hit. There are companies much more exposed to this and companies much more insulated. Uh, The more exposed companies are those with high average cart values, long purchase consideration cycles, and highly targeted items. The way I see it, the biggest impact this will have, it'll be on mobile apps. I also spoke to my colleague, Jude Hajali. Jude is the demand gen manager at ClearBank. I think something that's going to unilaterally affect any industry is the speed at which Facebook is going to start to report on the real-time data that they have within the actual ad manager. And so it'll be slower for you to see um, the results of you increasing your spend. So gone are the days where you can just one day decide to increase the spend that you have towards a particular campaign and then see the results happen right away and then decide the next day to lower the spend that you're putting towards a particular campaign. I think it's a lot of it is a behavioral thing. I feel like a lot of us advertisers have finally felt like they've gotten a grasp of how the ad platform works and what the best way to go about optimizing campaigns looks like. Um, And now we're being hit with this new learning curve we don't know a lot about. We just know that it's looming and impending. There's an overwhelming sense that to those that it will impact the most, ATT has really come out of nowhere. Facebook quickly collated a resource center and hosted instructional webinars to help guide people through the change. The team at ClearBank has also put together some resources. You can find those at blog.clearbank.com. But I wanted to ask both Jude and Michael what they thought advertisers should be doing right now to prepare. There are two very simple things that you can start to do from now to prepare your um, Facebook ad account for these impending changes. The first thing you have to do is make sure that you have verified your domain within Facebook um, so that you could help with conversions and um, making sure that Facebook knows exactly where you're tracking these changes. And then also limiting the number of uh, conversion events that you have within your ad platform to eight. I think there's a lot advertisers can do to prepare and get ready for this. I think the number one thing that advertisers need to do is understand their ratios. So understanding that if I did one purchase via click, did I also do one purchase via view on the average ad? 
understanding what would be my seven day click numbers on those so that if I know, if I looked at my ads today and I took my revenue driven under the one day click category, uh, I would have a one row ask, but if I looked at all of my categories, I would have a three row ask. Well, if you have years of history, right, that indicate that if you do this many one day click purchases, you're, you also are doing this many one day view purchases, you're going to have a more complete view of your attribution of how many sales you're driving. And I think it's important to note attribution has never been perfect and attribution will never be perfect, right? But it's all, it became a lot more imperfect or by the time you're listening to this, it's probably become a lot more imperfect. And the adjustments that you can make to that is to understand what those numbers are. You're going to have less precision around killing tests. So when you launch a test, you're not going to have data as quickly as you would have in the past. But when you have a successful ad, you're still going to be able to look at that successful ad and understand how successful it is by looking at the ratios okay, that you have uh, historically and applying those uh, to, to your time now. So there are comparing windows still open on Facebook. This information is going to be deprecated and be put into the API. You're going to have to dig into the API and pull that information out once that has occurred. Uh, if you're around before the changes, go look at your ratios, understand what that is in your prospecting funnel, in your middle funnel, in your retargeting funnel, and then compare that as you run ads again uh, in the future. That is a process anyone can do. Uh, I'm actually launching a beta of a tool that's going to do that for people using machine learning to get that 10% more accurate than just using perfect ratios and do it automatically for you. That can be found at fates.ai. Michael stressed to me the importance of understanding your ad account's performance data. By understanding your past performance, you can make inferences about current and future performance even with restricted visibility. But is this a viable option for all businesses? Or are smaller businesses with less history hamstrung in this approach? Larger businesses typically have a lot more history on what's worked and they also have wider margins in terms of their return on ad, on ad spend. You know, there are a lot of companies that are successfully scaling on a 10 or 20% margin without a large cash balance. And for those companies, that 10 or 20% margin might be going away, uh, making it difficult for them to, uh, to see which ads are profitable and not and profitably manage that account. Uh, I think for mid-size and large advertisers, there's lots of ways around this and you don't have to be quite as accurate as you do on an account that is uh, operating with, with less operational cash flow or, or isn't as well funded uh, as, as some of the larger businesses who could afford to do things like make their primary event an add to cart instead of a purchase or uh, make it an email instead of a purchase and operate at a consistent rate of, of feedback of data with less precision around which people purchase and not. And for smaller businesses, it's going to be tougher to do that. So we know what's changing. We know who it will affect. And to some degree, what that effect will look like. But online advertising can't just stop. So what does the future hold for advertisers? And how will ad publishers respond in the long term? My take on this, which is conjecture, is uh, Facebook is going to be pushing people heavily to use shops and check out via Facebook and Instagram. If you look at the fine print or the way they're talking about all of the changes now, 
They're saying it's off-site conversions that are going to be affected and everything is listed as off-site conversions. And I'm reading between the lines there and saying a lot of this stuff will come back for on-site conversions. They've also uh, pushed through checkout uh, via Instagram and Facebook at a very rapid rate. They have a highly discounted fee for that at this time. It's, it's actually free until June. Uh, and I think it would be wise of advertisers to look at getting their Facebook shop set up and their Instagram shop set up uh, and also start to look at their conversion rate. There's some really interesting things you can do using the catalog to get videos on those listings. And I think over time, advertisers would be uh, very smart to look at getting those shops set up and trying to increase the conversion rate uh, on that platform. Overall, I actually think that this change might make it actually might be more beneficial for Facebook and Google. I think the most of what we've talked about today is the impact of this change on in-platform reporting. Um, and I think what this might bring about is just a change in the way that we look at attribution, um, both for e-commerce and for a bunch of other industries. Um, your ability to report on impressions based on Facebook-only data um, and the effectiveness of a single campaign within Facebook's ad platform right now are specific to impressions that you're seeing from a Facebook ad alone, when in reality, in the digital environment anyway, you're probably being exposed to a bunch of other um, ads from other platforms that you are running, from campaigns that you're running on other platforms, including Google. And the reality is the digital landscape doesn't work as a Facebook-only or Google-only sphere. All of these different touch points work together to give you a conversion. And I think that looking at it from a not Facebook-specific or not Google-specific lens will probably mean a door opening and a change in the way that we're looking at attribution. At the risk of sounding naive, I really am aware of the gravity of this change and the impact that it's going to have on the way that we use Facebook in general. But I really don't think that it is going to result in people not spending money on Facebook anymore. Um, if there is less of a demand for Facebook ads because of their effectiveness, that'll mean a decrease in cost for worst case scenario, decrease in cost per impression on Facebook ads. And that'll free up more ad budget for you to start looking into more channels. And I think what this is a lesson in is that relying on a single source for a single ad source for your revenue is probably the number one rule um, in investment is diversification. And so what this is just going to lead, lead us to is maybe a new era in advertising where um, privacy and targeted advertising can coexist. I agree there are silver linings. Uh, I think, to Jude's point, you could see some of the real costs of Facebook via impressions or other metrics come down and, and see uh, more opportunity there. But I think this is a challenge that goes beyond the advertising department at most companies. And I think if you're in charge of advertising, it's worth looping in the rest of the team to what's coming here and saying, okay, niche products that we rely on aren't going to sell quite as well, or, or it's going to be more challenging. It looks that way. That could change, but it seems like these niches are going to be very challenging. And to start to think, how can this problem be solved beyond just the advertising team? What can product development do, right? What's a product that you can put a, li a little bit more in the mainstream at a little bit lower price point? And some product development changes there could take you from in the really struggling category to 
in a category where you're really succeeding in a bigger way than you ever have before. Uh, so I think there's a challenge here that exceeds advertisers. I think it has to go into how are you scoping your product? How are you scoping uh, the products on your site? Uh, and and how can you uh, use that to hit a, a, a more uh, broad audience? I think it's worth thinking as well, how can you collaborate with other store owners? How can you put together a thought process or put together a process here where you have a site that has more on it so that you can collect a wider net of people who come to your site? As we wrapped up our conversation, I was reminded of the resilience and ingenuity of founders during the pandemic. And I wondered, was this just another challenge that some could see as an opportunity? I think for companies who are aware and who are adapting, they're going to find success. And I think that it was a wake-up call on January 7th when the first webinar came out to a lot of advertisers that, hey, this is going to be bigger than what we thought. And then I'm hearing so many amazing uh, pivots and new opportunities being discovered. So I think the more you can be aware, hey, this is coming soon and share that with your friends uh, and other founders you know, uh, the better off you're going to be to prepare and, and be able to make the pivots that you need to. So there you have it. iOS 14 is coming and it will impact your business one way or another. A big thanks to my colleague Jude and Michael from Fates.ai, an acquire agency, for joining me as we explored this issue. As I mentioned earlier, we've put together some resources to help you navigate this change. You can find those at blog.clearbank.com. And if you're looking for further advice, ClearBank has an incredible network of partners and founders who can definitely help you out. You can find out more about that on our website, clearbank.com. If you enjoyed this podcast or have any other thoughts or questions, uh, let me know. Let's keep the conversation going on Twitter, at ClearBank, and LinkedIn. I'm Mitch Tessier, content strategist at ClearBank, And thanks for listening to the Clarity Podcast.